0: Oh, Bredo. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tonnes of forage? What? (laughs) And now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment, what do you mean MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, BrettO. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection four muesli or four assorted and get four bags attendee, That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in Best Dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at theoneasummit.com thanks for making eight tons of forage demo
1: The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Bear Blends. Bear Blends are dedicated to producing the healthiest protein powders and unique nutritional powders. They use only natural and organic whole foods, and all of their products are non GMO and free of artificial flavours, colours, and sweeteners. My personal new favourite is their vanilla and coconut plant protein. Visit bearblends.com.au to learn more and check out their gorgeous recipe inspo over on Instagram at bearblends. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Wirth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Allie McLean, Katie Pettuccini and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness and optimizing your health, metabolism and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Reel. In today's episode of The Real Food Reel, we are joined by the wellness rock star himself, Dr. Damien Christoph. In today's episode, Damien and I discuss the importance of brain and spinal health when it comes to optimal digestion and optimal gut health. We cover the forage poo chart, the sesame seed challenge, the impact of stress, and practical strategies to support your digestion while you travel. Yes, we're talking about poo today, team, so now's your time to hit pause if you happen to be tuning in while eating a meal. Hi, Damo, and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Steph. Hi, how are you?
1: Very good. I'm very excited to introduce you to our listeners today. um, As a now regular on the Real Food Reel. so we're honoured to have you join us on the show, and I absolutely can't wait to share all your wisdom with our listeners today and beyond.
2: Uh, thank you. It's it's an honour for me to be joining you, and on a regular basis with um, you know some pretty highly esteemed guests, you know <laughs> regulars that you've got Carl Broccoli <laughs> on. You know, I'm, I'm excited to be alongside him and to be sharing the stage with you again. is um, It's my privilege, so thank you, Steph.
1: Thank you. It's awesome to be collaborating again. I knew it happened sooner or later, so here hey, we are. Hey, just hey. wanted to um, allow you some space to introduce yourself. I can't believe you've never been on the show, but here we are, and I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and just set the scene for us today.
2: Sure, sure, uh, Steph. Um- well, thank you. Uh, so I'm a chiropractor now, um, but in a previous life, I was a nutritionist and a naturopath, and prior to that, I was an accountant or studying to be an accountant. So I've had a, a wide range of different backgrounds um, and interests, um, but these days I'm more involved in health promotion and speaking about um, nutrition, uh, chiropractic, the nervous system, stress, gastrointestinal health. And, um, and for me, um, I, get, I get a lot of joy out of seeing people get well and, uh, and live an amazing life. And so if I get the opportunity to you know, share information in this sort of format or if I get the opportunity to you know, travel overseas to do a seminar or an event, um, I'm there hands up straight away. So I, I love doing that. I'm a father of of one boy. Um, he's 18 years, nearly 18 years old. So um, that's quite amazing doing year 12, um, married. Um, and, and super happy! I've got a little practice in Sandringham, just around the corner from you, actually, Steph. As you know, um, and uh, and I work. I work with some amazing people. I've got a, a gr- an incredible chiropractor. His name's Ian Northeast. I'm not sure if you've ever met him before.
1: <laughs> oh, he's <was> pretty amazing. <laughs> he's incredible.
2: And uh, and Jess Norton, Dr. Jess Norton. She's uh, she's an incredible girl as well. An amazing chiropractor. And so I work with her, and we've got a, a really fabulous little practice. And uh, we've been in in the in um, Sandringham now for 13 years and uh, continuing to service the, the neighbourhood. So I've got a really, you know, amazing life, uh, a really happy life. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased and very grateful for it.
1: Yeah, sounds beautiful. And I love the space, Vita Lifestyles in Sandringham. I don't go there often enough, but I'm making making it a goal to get there, you know, two or three times a week for my adjustment. Um,
2: mm. I
1: wanted to talk to you today more about chiropractic, but with a real focus on a few of the areas that we actually do cover here on the show, definitely digestion um, and stress. But just to sort of set the scene, um, I don't know about you, but my experience when I talk to my clients or my audience about gut health or digestion um I'm not really sure that people really think about the nervous system or the spine or chiropractic. What are your thoughts there?
2: I have to agree, Steph. Mm -hmm. I think um, we're in an age where most things are treated with something put into the body. Um, and there's little regard given to the intelligence of the body. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's partly due to, um, the way in which the system, the health, healthcare system or the, the disease care system has kind of been set up. So many people, if they get sick, they, uh, they, they don't necessarily back their body in to get well. Uh, and so they'll, they'll go and see a, a practitioner of sorts and as a result then be prescribed some kind of um, intervention. That could be a medication. It could be pharmaceutical-based or herbal-based or vitamin-based. Um, might be homeopathy um, whatever, but we've kind of been um, led to believe that the way in which the body can heal itself is through the intervention from a practitioner. And, um, and it, hasn't, it hasn't allowed us to kind of trust in the body's ability to, you know, continue to want to live. And, and really, at the end of the day, the body's always fighting to ensure that you have an exceptional life and feel fantastic. You've just got to make sure that you give it everything it needs and ensure there's no interference. And, and, and we've kind of lost that, um, that wisdom, I suppose. And so as a result, much of the philosophy of chiropractic um, has been lost, but also much of the science of chiropractic and the way in which it works has been ignored. Uh, and that kind of goes back to embryology. So when we consider, the, you know, when our parents first met and they came together and um, a sperm and an egg met, at that point in time, the cell started to divide. And as they divided over the next 21 days, the whole of the spinal cord of the nervous system was actually initiated in terms of its full, fun, or its full, um, I suppose, initial function and shape. And that is that you've got a tail and you've got a head. And at the head end is, of course, where the brain grows. And at the tail end is where the gut grows. And so you've got these two cells that have come together, a sperm and an egg. And then they fold and divide and divide and divide and they fold over and they wrap and they become a spinal cord. And at one end is the brain and at the other end is the gut. And so that intricate relationship between the brain and um, the uh, nervous system and then the gut and the immune system is formed within the first 21 days of our life, which is just for me, profound, mm-hmm. profound. And so, when you get a, a, a naturopathic practitioner or a naturopath or a nutritionist who says it's all to do with the gut, and then you hear a chiropractor who says it's all to do with the brain, they've both got the story fifty percent right. And really, <laughs> it's the gut and the brain combined that that, that our health has everything to do with and uh, and chiropractic is concerned with the communication between the brain and the rest of the body and the way which we uh, describe that is that vertebrae that are out of place or what we call a subluxation vertebrae that are out of place um, challenge the nervous system whether it be through extra sensory input into the brain or uh, a decrease in um efferent or output from the brain to an end organ or to a system within the body uh, which results in a dysfunction of the body and so we look to try and correct those dysfunctions um, or to remove uh, dysfunction in the spine to allow the body and the brain to have proper communication that's what we do.
1: Mm, Yeah it is profound and you're right I think even though, you know, we know the significance of gut health, we're starting to be a little bit too insular, I think, with looking at that maybe on its own now, which is, as you said, only maybe 50% of the equation. So we've got to come back and look at the whole body as a whole system.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely and there's a very um, intricate relationship between the nervous system and the uh, gastrointestinal system and, and, and yes, we look at the microbiome and the microbiome lives and breathes, not breathes, but breathes in the gastrointestinal system and it continues to, to give to the human body um, enormous potential to deal with the environment and provided we don't disrupt the microbiome, then for the most part, we can live a really incredibly healthy life. Um, But what's really important is that the information that comes from the microbiome, which is communicated through the epithelial cells of the stomach or the gastrointestinal lining, um, is received by the nervous system and then communicated back to the brain so the brain can then make appropriate decisions. So if there's a toxin, for example, in the gastrointestinal system that signal is sent through to the brain. The brain then decides whether or not that toxin is going to remain in the gut or if it's going to be evacuated out. But also, if there's nutrients along the way that need to be absorbed, the brain decides whether or not those things are allowed in or if they're actually required. And so at a cellular level, there's an intelligence that the cells will um, continue to function uh, even even in the absence of a nervous system. However, that's limited, and, and, and those cells will die if they don't have uh, proper communication from the brain. But the brain will continue to give to every single cell within the body some kind of information that tells it that it needs to continue to function in a particular way. And, yes, there's a programmed component to each cell, which is driven by the DNA of the nucleus in every single cell, but the brain essentially monitors and governs the environment to which that cell actually lives in. And so you want to make sure that everything's working really well in that regard.
1: Yeah, again, I think that's phenomenal that it goes both ways. You know, obviously it is about the alignment to allow for the proper function but then obviously the the gut can then send signals outwards as well. So it definitely, I guess, signifies the importance of addressing that whole picture And as we started talking about, like, you know, digestion is not often looked at from treating the spine. So obviously that's what you do and a part of what the treatment should be. But does it then benefit any kind of digestive challenge or GI dysfunction
2: Well, it's a really interesting thing because I suppose, from a specificity perspective, there's a real absence of research uh, in around the chiropractic adjustment and then um, the treatment of any kind of gastrointestinal dysfunction. Well, there is quite a bit of research with pediatrics um, in around constipation and um, urinary incontinence um, through the day um, or even through the night, you know, where kids, you know, fail to be able to receive the signals and adequately behave accordingly so if they're receiving a signal to to urinate instead of making it to the bathroom it's in their pants or instead of um wetting their bed uh they you know they're actually now waking up but the there is research to that indicates that chiropractic is particularly beneficial in that regard in a pediatric setting um in a um older older setting or an aged or an older population setting there's an absence of of research there and it's largely because most of the research that's done these days in a university setting is funded um, and there's a lot of money behind you know research these days and the gold standard for research is the standard or the type of research that can't be reproduced in a chiropractic setting. You know, Our understanding of the human body is that every single body is unique um, and individual and as a result, what might cause one person's constipation may not be the same cause for another person. And so it's to say that uh, chiropractic can help constipation in every single, sa- you know, every single setting is probably false. And to say that uh, chiropractic can help um, diarrhea in every single situation is also probably false and leaky gut and infl- inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome, all of those sorts of conditions. Um, to say that chiropractic can treat each of those is, pro- is most certainly not true. However, the communication, and this is where it becomes very important, the communication from the gut to the brain is paramount to the gut healing. And so if there's dysfunction in the spine at any level and and it's at a level that's above the communication from the gut to the brain, in other words, if it's in, say, the upper lumbar spine or the thoracic spine or the cervical spine, if there's dysfunction in those areas, then the information getting to the brain will be altered in terms of what needs to be getting there compared to what is actually getting there to the brain um, or from the brain to the gut. And so it, from a chiropractic perspective, can we help with all of that? The answer is most probably yes. Mm. Um, but do we treat those sorts of things? The answer is we don't really treat disease um, because chiropractic's not concerned really with the treatment of disease, though it's beneficial and being shown over and over and over again, you know, beneficial for neck pain and back pain and, um, And headache but the effects of it appear to flow beyond um what can be actually uh reproduced in in research at least the style the type of research that's considered gold standard in australia uh which is you know double blind placebo controlled you know it's very difficult to give a sham adjustment Um, it's very difficult to find the same subluxation or the same dysfunction um exactly the same in you know a hundred people or a thousand people Mm if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but of course it makes sense. Um, But it's about optimal function, right? So whilst you're not maybe trying to completely resolve a situation, it's always going to be multifactorial in a human. It's definitely a huge part of supporting the process and that communication from the brain is important for, you know, prevention of disease, but also obviously optimal health.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, there's, there's not a day that goes by that we don't have somebody come into our practice who would comment on how good they're feeling now or what they've noticed um, in terms of the change in their body. Um, and we, it's not that we take credit for that at all. It's just that we understand that if we, if we help the spine move better, people will function better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what we work with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So let's say on the topic of digestion, I know okay. it's a topic that um, you do speak about and you've designed your own very useful poop chart. So I wanted you to take us <laughs> yeah. through this, if you will, and um, talk about some of the factors with regards to the gut and even the neural you know, alignment or the communication between the brain with regards to pooping.
2: Okay. That's a goodie. That's a goodie. Um, Bristol University must be nearly 20 years ago, I suppose, designed a stool chart and uh, we thought, oh yeah, that's pretty bland. Um, Surely we can make poo look better than that. (laughs) Uh, And so we redesigned it. We called it the forage uh, poo chart and obviously Steph, i have got you know the forage muesli company and um, and our whole focus has been on gastrointestinal health to make sure that people feel good so we're fodmap certified and gluten you know celiac disease or celiac society is so of australia um, certified so gluten free um, and our and our primary focus there is to assemble you know beautiful foods but we needed people to understand whether or not their gut was in fact healthy or not healthy. And one of the greatest ways to find out whether or not your gut is healthy or not healthy in, in a really simple form is to understand what your poo is telling you. And, and really if your poo uh, is good, then you're probably good. If your poo's bad, then you're probably not too healthy on the inside. So th- there's a scale of one through to seven, one being really, really dry um, and pebble-like. So, and and that's generally described as being small little pellets of poo that are difficult to move um, and hard as rocks. And when they do come out, they splash when they hit the water. You know, I, I'm not sure if that's too much information, but no, that's not. kind of that's <laughs> kind of what we, we look for in a number one. Um, ideally things get softer and softer and softer until they get to, say, a number four. And then a number four is what we're considered to, to be doing, which is ideal. And that's a good log. That's a, a complete log with uh, no undigested food found in the stool. Um, there's no hard, lumpy bits. There's only one colour going through. And, um, and the reason why I say there's only one colour going through because that means that your previous movement was completed, so some people will have two different colours coming through. So they'll have um, a colour of light brown, um, and they might have a colour of dark brown, um, and and so you've got at, at different at one end it's light, at the other end it's dark. The dark brown um, could be the the previous meal, and the light brown uh, might be the meal from a couple of you know meals ago. Essentially, what should actually happen is that you should complete your bowel movement so that you just get one colour all the way through, and um, and, and that's a, a number four. That's considered, that should be a good sausage. Um, and over the course of a day, the length of that stool, that length of that poo should get, that should travel from the, the distance between your wrist and your elbow. So it's quite a long, it's about as long as your foot. Um, that's how long your poo should be each day. That's interesting, isn't it?
1: That is interesting. I'm sure there are a lot of people <laughs> who are like, okay, I'm not achieving optimal pooing.
2: That's true. Some people will be doing little ribbons. So a lot of people do ribbons. Um, that's a little bit of constipation. Um, that can be associated with eating foods that are mucus forming. That can be associated with people that don't have enough uh, beneficial bacteria in their gut. They could be having not enough fibre in their diet. They might also be um, a little bit dehydrated. So um, it's it's worth trying to understand you know what it is that's causing your uh, your ribbon style poo. Um, When you go further towards the softer end, the the softer and softer you get, the more dangerous it becomes. And so the reason why I use the word dangerous is because these are warning signs. If you've got a very runny stool and there's mucus in the stool, there's water in the stool, that should only last for a couple of days. It shouldn't be lasting all of the time. And if it's lasting all of the time, then you've got early indicators there of significant bowel dysfunction. And uh, and that significant bowel dysfunction could in, in turn lead to disease. And the diseases that we're most concerned of in Australia, of course, you know, bowel cancer, before that you've got polyps and inflammatory bowel disease and all that sort of thing. So, um, But bowel cancer is one of those things that's insidious. People don't know that it actually is happening, uh, but it does happen. But there's warning signs to say that you're eating uh, something that's not correct or you're not digesting something the way in which you should. The, the runny your stool is, the more liquid it actually is, the the louder the alarm bell should be ringing and the brighter the flashing light should be. Uh you really need to get that checked out. And so if you're at the gravy train end, which we call the number seven, you've got to be um you've got to be speaking to somebody about that who's qualified to be able to say, okay let's do some investigation, let's find out what the cause of this is and then let's get this sorted out because you don't want to have a runny stool for a long time, if that makes sense, Stephen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really significant. And, you know, poo's not a topic that everyone's comfortable speaking about but it is definitely one that we address with all of our clients At the natural nutritionist and it, it needs to be a conversation that's normalized because so much can be picked up from the stool and it can definitely be a good diagnostic to learn about what your body's doing earlier rather than when potentially things like disease are already on their way.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's so many great functional tests that you can do these days as well. So obviously you can do a a complete digestive stool analysis at its most simple point. Um, So you're looking to see what's being digested, maybe whether or not there's any parasites found in there, but then you can go all the way through to find out what your microbiome DNA actually is. And and so there's, you know, significant advancement in the way in which we can test the stool these days. And even GPs these days can do some simple tests to see what's going on. But, um, you know, you can really, with a functional... Um, nutritional specialists such as yourself, Steph, um, and even in our practice, we do a lot of this testing as well. But it, it can, it, there's no reason that people should not know these days what's going on with the gastrointestinal system because there's so much um, ability to test and find out. And there's great clues wherever you look. You know, even if you're watching Channel Seven, there's advertisements for Inner you know, Health Plus. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's great stuff always being um, spoken about. You just you have to be ignorant to miss out on the information these days.
1: Yeah, for sure. So important. And I'll link up your um, poo chart in the show notes. Thanks, I man. also wanted you to share a little challenge that I know you get your crew to do. What, in, <laughs> what do you do with sesame seeds, Demo?
2: Uh, there's a couple of things. It's a great little story, actually. Um, essentially, there's some foods that humans digest poorly and there's some that have got enough color that we can actually see it uh, You know, after it's left our body. So obviously, food must come into our body, then it must leave our body. And there's a particular amount of time there, Steph, that's considered to be optimal. And that that period of time is around about 12 to 24 hours of time. So let's say, for example, you eat a meal this morning for breakfast within the next 12 hours you want that meal that you had for breakfast or within 12 to 24 hours you want that meal that you had for breakfast out again so it should have completed its role now if it stays in there for long enough for the most part your body's got the best ability to take in all of the nutrition that was in that meal in the first place but if it's not in there for long enough then of course there's there's an indicators there of malabsorption and of course if it's not in there long enough, then you're most likely going to be tending towards a more runny or soft stool. And and so there's some indicators there and around what maybe your fatigue could be being caused by or your bloating might be being caused by. If you're not absorbing your food, you're going to be nutrient deficient and that's going to affect your microbiome. It's going to affect your epithelial lining, your absorption, your energy production, um, your ability to repair pain regulation, and so on and so forth. There's happiness. There's so many things that are associated with metal absorption. So um, it's important to make sure that your, your food doesn't stay in your body for short periods of time. It's got to be there for a long enough period of time. If it's at the other end, there's some people that could listen to this call that may not be moving their bowels for, let's say, two days. So that's 48 hours. Some people might not move their bowels for three days, 72 hours. But there's some people that might move their bowels every single day, Steph, but their food that they ate 12 or 24 hours ago is hanging around in their body for say 72 hours so yes they may be pooing every single day but they may not be getting the meals out quick enough and that's the biggest concern so a lot of people used to uh, talk about um, meat sticking around in the body for a long period of time some people used to say that meat would stick in the body for seven or eight days you know not hours days and and you know there was that big kind of you know, fear campaign that came out through the 90s when vegans were kind of just, you know, starting to you know, drift off into the sunlight um, because they were, it was, it was falling out of favour. So from the late 70s and the early 80s, it, um, it was kind of, you know, very, very popular. But as protein, you know, animal-based proteins became more popular again, they were saying, well, you know, your meat's going to stick around in your body for seven or eight days. And, uh, and the same was said for chewing gum. You know, a lot of people used to chew chewing gum, they'd swallow it. And uh, they say, oh, that's going to stick in your guts. It's not going to come out. And uh, so you had these grand pictures of like big slabs of meat hanging around with chewing gum while everything else kind of went through. Um, it was quite fascinating. But so I thought about this for quite some time to try and work out. How do we find out how quickly food's coming out? And, and so you look at a few things um, that, that can be seen when they do come out. So sesame seeds are one of them. And corn is another one. Now, the thing with corn is it's interesting because a lot of people like to eat corn. Um, they like to have it as a, as a vegetable. But the reality is is that corn is a grain mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and it's quite rich in starch. Now, not that starch is a bad thing because we do need to have starch for our gastrointestinal system and resistant starch is particularly important to help our microbiome grow and thrive and be really well. But um, there's not a lot of nutrition in the cellulose structure of the corn that we can access unless we've evolved through genetics um, along the lines of Mexicans and South Americans, which is where corn is traditionally grown and found. And, and similarly, you know, that would be the same for quinoa and that will be the same for rice or that will be the same for any other grain um, and, in, in fact, some vegetables as well. There's some vegetables that many of us don't get the nutrition from because we haven't evolved to be able to digest those foods. But perhaps we can talk about that another time, Steph. Um, but essentially, corn and sesame seeds, for the most part, most people can't digest really well if they're not chewed. And so, the thing that you do is you get a teaspoon or a dessert spoon of sesame seeds and corn, and all corn, put it into a glass of water, and then you drink it. And, and what we should see is that within twelve to twenty-four hours, those seeds or corn will come out in the stool undigested. And so, then you know how quickly your tra- or how quick your transit time is. And so, mm. transit time is the relationship between the speed at which food goes into the mouth and out through the other end the anus and um, and that that's a great indicator and you, you should record that and from time to time challenge yourself and just see where that's at and Steph as you know I've set up a hashtag for that so people mm-hmm. if they're into social media can actually get involved and and that's hashtag Sesame Seed Challenge. We don't need photos for that. We're not, we're not there for the photos. We're not uh, being voyeuristic with that one. We're uh, only looking for the number. So let us know, you know, if you do do this, 12 hours, 13 hours, 14.7, whatever it is, you know, whatever your time is. If it's 72 hours, don't be afraid. That basically means that you just need a little bit of assistance and, and you're listening to the right people to be able to help you out with that.
1: Yeah, awesome. It's such a simple strategy and I think I encourage everyone to – look at their schedule and, and plan to do a Sesame Seed challenge very soon. And obviously we're here to help if it's not that 12 or 24 hour transit time. So, so fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to switch gears just a little, although very much on topic and talk about stress. I know this is a big area of interest for you. Um, yeah. And so you can definitely talk about, you know, the seminar that you do run regularly, but, When it comes to digestion, we have a lot of people that um, either maybe it's they're traveling, they've got some work stress or circumstances in their life has have changed and they're noticing a change in their bowel movements. Can you talk to us about what's happening here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's fascinating things that happen there, Steph, and the way in which the body um, switches gears in terms of the way in which it manages stress. And so there's a typical stress cycle that we go through each day. we we'll wake up in the morning in a sympathetic phase. Um, and a sympathetic phase means that we um, we secrete cortisol and we secrete adrenaline to get us going. Some people require more adrenaline than others to wake up in the morning, and they're the sort of people that kind of reach for a caffeinated beverage first thing. And Steph, you and I could probably talk for hours on the reasons why that's not a good idea, but many people um, do that, in particularly uh, with the promotion of things like bulletproof coffee and you know, caffeinating before you actually eat food. I, don't, I honestly don't think that's a super wise thing to do for the nervous system. It might be you know, okay from an energy perspective, but it's not a great idea from a fueling perspective or a longevity perspective in my opinion. But um, there's people that say other things, but um, essentially when you wake up in the morning, um, and, you, and you're in this sympathetic fight or flight state. I've oh, just got to get my cat down. She's just jumped up. Right <laughs> <on>. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> down, Misty. Uh, if you're in a fight or flight state, which is where you should be, um, really what's going to happen is your bowels are going to open, they're going to empty. So, for the most part, most people move in the morning um, their bowels, and that's because their nervous system's firing up and getting going. Some people wake up and they just get going, but their nervous system's not really in a fight or a flight sort of stat, state. It's just kind of, it's just kind of plateaued out, and they don't need to move their bowels um, as a result. And and they require some kind of stimulation to get that going. But when people are perpetually stressed, um, let's say you know um, anxious, or they're starting to become sleepless, um, or they even they've got to the point where they're a little bit depressed, um, their bowel function will change quite significantly based on how far away from the normal zone the normal zone let's say that's a midpoint if they've moved a long way away from that midpoint either let's say to the left which is highly stressed and highly strung or to the right which is highly fatigued and very depressed if they've moved a long way away from the center then their bowel function will also indicate um, challenge within the body and so if you're in a sympathetic state your bowels are going to evacuate rapidly and, uh, and many people find that their bowels will be um, will generally be looser rather than tighter. Some people become a little bit retentive, um, or only a retentive when they're a bit stressed and a bit anxious. Um, and that's often in the um, in the longer term phase. So if it's in the short term, fight or flight, and you've just been in there for short periods of time, it's a, a quick evacuation. Um, Everything happens very, very quickly. Foods out, in and out very, very quickly, and there's malabsorption there. But in a tired person, someone who's tired and stressed, they will tend to have constipation, and uh, and that's not ideal. Um, and then the person, you know, not really constipation, but they find it more difficult to move, even though they're you know they've got lots of things on. And quite often, that's the person who's too busy to take a poo. Um, they go, oh my gosh, I don't have three minutes in my day to actually sit down and. You know, check Facebook. They they tend to you know to push on through and wait till they get to the end of the day. But then signals have been shut off and they can't move it all the way through to someone who's very lethargic and very sleepy and very depressed and very um, downtrodden. Those people sometimes won't move their bowels for a couple of days. Uh, but really, these neurological, physiological inter interplays and interactions take place as a result of your interpretation of the environment. And in our crack your stress code uh, talk that 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 I run, um, and I do that you know three probably two or three times in Melbourne a year, and probably ten to fifteen times around Australia a year. Um, we talk in detail about you know what's actually going on with stress and why does that affect gastrointestinal health. But um, to you know to cut a long story short, Steph, essentially if you do find yourself a long way away from that midpoint, which is a balance point. Um, if you're, you know, down the left-hand side, highly strung, or down the right-hand side, highly depressed, if you're in those, um, in those areas, then your gastrointestinal function is going to be suboptimal. Um, and you can take and do as many things as you like, but really finding ways in which you can uh, reverse the the stress effects on your body will be as beneficial as changing your diet and as beneficial as having a probiotic and as beneficial as receiving a chiropractic adjustment. Mm -hmm. There's there's so many different things that you want to try and get right um, and that you can do with just some really simple steps and and strategies um, that you just do when you get home from, from work or from school.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Do you have any quick, travel tips for those that find they do maybe it's usually tend to get more constipated it's constipated after they travel
2: that's interesting isn't it Steph? a lot of people do have that um mm. i think a lot of that's to do with hydration i think a lot yeah. of people don't drink enough on a plane um and so they tend to dry out um and your distal colon like let's just you know be frank about this the the colon which is the shortest part of your bowels uh that is the primary design of that is to absorb um water it's the whole it wants to get the remaining amount of liquid that's inside your stool out Mm. and so if you're dehydrated uh, which can happen very easily on a flight um, and you're sitting on your bum so you're numbing all the nerves um, in that area you're disengaging and you're not moving around a whole lot so you could be sitting for eight or nine or ten hours in a a plane you're not moving enough you're watching a lot of movies your posture is poor you're breathing Mm. shallow Um, There's a high-pressure cabin. You're not drinking enough water. Some people drink too much alcohol, which causes even more dehydration. They might find themselves needing to urinate because of the alcohol, but they won't find themselves needing to defecate because of the alcohol. Uh, So they'll they'll find themselves being quite dry and constipated for potentially the next few days and some people up to a week. Uh, But really, drink, you know, two to three glasses of water um, to every beverage of alcohol that you have on a plane just to maintain your hydration.
1: Yeah, it's quite amazing how much extra water you do need when you're traveling and obviously often relative to the duration of the flight. Um, but such a simple strategy that I think, especially in Melbourne, I'm noticing people are starting to um, drink less because it's cold and they're maybe not going down the herbal tea route. But I mean, it is the number one basic to address that like, like transit time, that proper digestion.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people look for you know other things they could put into their body, looking for a solution, and they make it so complicated. And I think that this is kind of where disease scares come in, um, or health scares come in. So people have kind of gone, well, what do I need to do to fix my constipation? Well, here's a laxative, or here's some fibre, or increase fibre in your diet, or whatever else. But really. The most simple thing to do would be to drink enough water and to just, even if you just increase the amount of water you drink by three glasses a day, you know, you could be drinking enough and you're still constipated, but just drink another three glasses and see what actually happens. That's one with every single meal. See what happens to your stool. I'm pretty certain that most people will find that their bowels have improved significantly just by getting better hydrated.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think the basics are where it's at, and you know, it's like building a house. You don't start with the roof, right? So you've just got to look at those foundations when it comes to <laughs> health right. and wellness.
2: That's you can borrow right. that That'd one, like demo. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. That's really good. <laughs>
1: amazing
2: i love it um yeah there's lots to think about isn't there like there's a lot Mm -hmm. to think about but you know most people can kind of they can tell that they're stressed um but a really good thing to know whether or not you're perpetually stressed and if you're too stressed to be able to wind down is to just when you're lying in bed at night time and you're trying to get to sleep is just be aware of where your tongue sits in your mouth if you if your tongue's sitting up on the roof of your mouth rather than Uh, behind your bottom set of teeth, if your tongue's right at the top there, then you're still in sympathetic mode. And it's very, very hard to sleep when you're stuck in sympathetic mode. That's fight or flight. You're probably still thinking about things you need to get done or you're trying to wind down. There's some simple strategies you can employ. And perhaps, Steph, we can go through that in another podcast. There's Mm. simple steps that you can employ to downregulate your sympathetic stress Um, response and upregulate your parasympathetic stress response and and i think it's a really good thing to do particularly for the health of your gut but particularly for the health of the whole of the nervous system
1: yeah 100 percent. so much more we could share so i look forward to future episodes i just wanted to finish with one final question today just for you to share what you're up to next and where we can find out more about you online
2: Oh, thanks, Steph. That's a nice opportunity. Um, at the moment, I'm still working with the wellness guys and 100 Not Out, so two podcasts that are also on the wellness couch with you, Steph. And uh, so I'm doing that. I've still got my practice in Sandringham and I love doing that. And forage, of course, is, um, is my labor of love. I, I, I love doing it. Um, it's one of those things that people think that you're, you're about to buy, a, 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 you know, your own private jet because you've got some products in a supermarket <coughs> but uh, it's definitely not the case um i do enjoy uh, manufacturing a measly product for people to maintain good health but it's uh, it's definitely been challenging but i'm still doing that and that's that's a lot of fun i've got some really uh, exciting new products that are coming out um which will be targeted towards gastrointestinal health and convenience and so i can't wait to share those with you steph when they come out but um, hopefully within the next few months i'll be able to share that information and Um, and that should hopefully flip the food health world upside down. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, That's kind of what I'm doing. I'm I'm off to New Zealand this weekend to go and talk for the Chiropractic Association over there in New Zealand um, to share with them some tips and strategies around communication for their patients, and uh, and that's kind of what I'm doing. But I do have one of the most exciting things coming up in, uh, in only six weeks' time, and I'm flying to Greece, and I'm taking 20 people over to Greece with me um, to enjoy a, an experience in longevity. And so there's these places called Blue Zones, which Steph, I know you've heard of. And the Blue Zones, for those people who haven't heard of what they are, they're, a, uh, they're areas or regions within the world where people live a long time um, and beyond um, 10 years longer than most other people, other cultures in the world. And so they have higher levels of centenarians and high numbers of centenarians, which is people that live over 100 years old. And so... Marcus Pierce and I from 100 Not Out are super keen to understand how they do that and why they do that. And so, every couple of years, we take a group of how many people? You know, we cap it at 20. So this year we sold out. We take 20 people over to go and live with these people uh, for 10 days, nearly two weeks, to understand what it is they do in their lifestyle um, that affords them longevity. And uh, and to put this into perspective, we're going to an island where there's seven and a half thousand people that live on this island. more than 25% of these people, um, uh, sorry, more than 10% of these people are, um, uh, over 100 years old already. So mm-hmm. there's more than 750 centenarians already. Uh, and, in terms of 25% of these people um, are over 80. And so they're ridiculously clever ages and they just don't have disease. Like, the, for example, dementia, there's a, an old people's home, a retirement village, and there's 10 rooms in this particular place and only one person lives in this place. And it's the, it's the person who looks after the actual place. It's not, there's no aged people that live in this old retirement village and it's because they continue to be... Um, you know, active in their lifestyle. So I'm fascinated with that and I can't wait to be doing that. So I'll come back and share some of the wisdom of that particular trip with you, Steph, when uh, when I return.
1: Amazing. I'm slightly envious. I will join you one year but so excited <laughs> to yeah, so excited to see more about the 2018 trip. Thank you, Damo. Mm-hmm. I've loved our conversation. Um, can't thank wait to did. chat again soon. But thank you so much for all your knowledge and joining us on The Real Food Reel today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Steph. Good on you.
1: Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode together we can continue to spread the real food love see you next time on the real food reel
0: this year the wellness summit returns
1: for those of you on your own health journey you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward one step back and you think you're doing well and then something else pops up it's like um, always you're always learning it's just a it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well
0: if I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life what else was I wrong about and it got me down this uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had and then I came to one question which was who am I beyond concept when I was a little kid I
1: really always had trouble with food intolerances I realized that there was a lot
0: to be said for the way you eat. You have come to the same place that I came to and it's a place of complete freedom. Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com